You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Hey friends, I missed you. It's been a whole week. Welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging the puritanical backward-ass ideals we have right here in the United States. This is episode 110 of American Sex Podcast. I'm Sunny Megatron, and my awesome co-host is Ken Melvoinberg, who you'll be hearing from in just a few minutes. And we're both sexuality educators, pleasure advocates, and kinky perverts, too, that happen to be married to each other. So this week, we talk with Mistress Justine Cross. She's a professional BDSM consultant and lifestyle dominatrix. She's also the owner of two dungeons in Los Angeles. With over 10 years experience, Mistress Justine's expertise and creativity has been called on for dozens of print, radio, and video productions, including Janelle Monae's 2018 Make Me Feel video, Fanning myself, love her. Most recently, Mistress Justine Cross appeared in Love and Hip Hop Hollywood and A&E's The Untold Story, Sex Sells. She's also been invited to speak and teach classes on BDSM, safer sex practices, consent, etc. at sexuality and LGBTQ plus organizations and universities, including UCLA. Extensively interviewed and profiled in tons of large publications, and most recently featured in The Guardian's Why I Ditched My Therapist to Hire a Dominatrix Instead article, Mistress Justine is a queer femme who runs BDS Femme a woman's-only play party, and she also co-hosts Deviant, an all-gender queer play party. Ken and I had an amazing conversation with Mistress Justine Cross. Now, we started out the conversation discussing the specific reasons why the BDSM you see in the media does not and will likely never accurately reflect real-life BDSM. Now, the same goes for sex work in the media and why portraying sex work inaccurately is much more dangerous than, say, portraying doctors or detectives on TV incorrectly. Justine also tells us about her clients, not only why they seek the services of a pro-dom, but we learn about the ones that come to her for self-improvement home organization, or other seemingly not having to do with sex things. She also gives important tips for first-time dungeon party goers, everything from proper etiquette to what to wear. We also discuss how to become a pro-dom and the persistent and very common question, which is, hey, this sounds great. Where can I get training? Now, over on patreon.com slash American Sex, we continue the conversation when Mistress Justine Cross tells us about a session with a client who has a very rare and unique fetish involving butter and threats and vegetables. You got to hear it. Got to hear it. And speaking of Patreon, when you go over 
to patreon.com slash American sex, you can also find out more about Patreon membership. So not only does your membership help support this show, you get lots of awesome perks with it too, like bonus stories from our guests, extra full-length episodes, all of our regular episodes early, American Sex Podcast stickers, shout out on the podcast, and other random cool surprises too. And Coming up this week, I made a guest appearance on the Body Storytelling Podcast with Dixie De La Tour. Now, Dixie had a very pressing reader question, so she called me in to help answer it. We gave a short version of our answer on this week's regular episode of Body Storytelling, which, if all goes well, I think it's going to be released on Wednesday, which is the 13th of November, 2019. And the long version of that recording will be available to the public on both of our Patreon feeds. Hers is patreon.com slash body, B-A-W-D-Y, and ours is patreon.com slash American Sex. Okay, American fuckers, that's it. Get ready to bust some BDSM myths and learn some pro-dom secrets from Mistress Justine Cross. All right, American fuckers, once again, it's super excited time because we have Mistress Justine Cross on the line. Hello. 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 Thank you. Oh, I am so excited to talk to you for lots of reasons. And I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know where I want to start because there's so many things. But I know that one of the things that you specialize in, one of many in a professional aspect is you specialize in you do a lot of stuff in the media. So you've been on TV shows, you've you know, you were involved in one of Janelle Monae's videos, videos like yeah. all sorts of stuff. And so that's where I think I want to start because you know, for the average person out there that's maybe kink curious, because I think there's a lot more kink curious people out there than we realize. And there's a lot more kinky people out there than we realize. Let's frame things up. Because when we look at at BDSM, you know, when it comes to Fifty Shades of Grey, or when it comes to like, the, the people that they portray on Law and Order SVU, or wherever it is, we all have this like really kind of fucked up idea of what kink is. So let's start there. So big question. How is the media fucked with our heads? <laughs> well, you know, actually, SVU is one of my favorites. And I have to say more often than that, they actually do a pretty good representation of sex work and kink. I mean, some of the storylines are a little off base because it has to be. But a lot of those things are literally ripped from the headlines. And they've done a lot of really wonderful things in terms of like uh, professional sex work and, you know, different things that have happened recently uh, with Sesta Fosta and, and doing that. But, um, you know, Media, it's always sort of like one reflection of reality. Um, you know, they want to make it very shiny, very loud, very interesting. Um, but, you know, it, the way that kink and BDSM is, like, it's sort of hard to catch that, like, in the ways that are very subtle. Like, a lot of the things that I do are tease and denial, and that doesn't really read well on camera. It's like, how can I, how can we talk for, like, you know, 20, 15 minutes or something about, like, how much I'm not going to make you come? You know, it's so much... <laughs> 
you know, yeah. no one's going to have that visual, but everyone has the visual of, you know, and, and I, I don't know if it's okay to say this now, but I mean, there's no other way to describe it, but basically like, you know, the gimp in, you know, the, the trunk in, you know, Pulp Fiction, like everyone right. remembers that. And it's like a very big image. Um, so, you know, that, that's certainly happening, but like what's not happening and what certainly didn't happen, what we're not, what media isn't always showing and what certainly didn't happen in that scene is that the lack of consent, <laughs> you know, the lack of boundaries, the lack of negotiation, we're not seeing that. So, well, a lot of times, a lot of media is showing things that are very accurate. Like in the Janelle Minet video, there is a vac bed and, you know, uh, that was, uh, which I might still have, you know, this nice hopping oh. vac bed. So, you know, we're showing that, but we're not showing like all the negotiations and everything that happened before I even agreed to do that scene for them, before I wanted to make sure the person who was going to be in it understood what that meant to be in a vac bed. Um, you know, if I felt like the scene was going to be too dangerous, that I was not going to do it, you know, and all the safety concerns like leading up to and that's a pretty extreme example breath play vac beds are pretty extreme Um, but I think that's what's happening in media we're seeing some accuracy a lot of accuracy but not kind of the behind the scenes stuff that's we can all benefit from and what should be happening in BDSM yeah now do you see or have you seen over the years anything changing with any significance when it because I know there's you know and the listeners might not realize there are definitely you know lots of production companies that will hire people in the industry to say you know are we doing this right come show us how to you know do rope bondage or come sh- you know evaluate this scene to make sure that we're portraying you know BDSM in the right way when you know in this particular scene in this movie or whatever it is are you seeing that happening any more than it did? Like, are we making progress or? Eh? Um, I think that we are. I mean, I'm certainly getting hired a lot more. <laughs> um, and so are my spaces. Um, you know, I think that um, it's interesting because like they're, there's this weird sense where Hollywood sort of wants to be accurate, but then they kind of take it in editing or, or afterwards and, and kind of like throw that out the window and, and what you worked on, what you thought was going to be this one thing completely changes elsewhere. And this happens, I just want to remind everyone, this happens in all industries, not just BDSM, sex worker related industries. It's just, these are the ones that we're bitching about on Twitter because no one else understands what a dominatrix does. Like if you watch a medical show, you know, we all know that like, that's not really that accurate, but like most of us know what a doctor is and does and like doctors don't give a shit because they're making tons and tons of money and they're well respected and they're licensed and they go to school and it is a very respected wonderful position but it's not the same thing if me as a dominatrix my profession gets portrayed really poorly there's nowhere for me to go other than bitch about it on sex worker twitter and realize that someone else is going to you know that we're all harmed collectively both as uh, professionals and the greater public by thinking this is what a dom does. So I I think people are moving in the direction. I mean, again, I'm in Los Angeles, so and that's where a lot of production is happening. I can only speak for my city and what's happening where a lot of calls are being made, whether it's myself or other people that I do respect in the industry getting called to do things like bondage in um, Rihanna's video. Um, I'm sorry, I forget what it's called. but um, Oh, the S&M video. Yeah, the S&M um, video. So, uh, Nikki Nefarious, right? Did yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. yeah, Nikki Nefarious, um, you know, worked on that. Um, and, you know, she was the one making the rope and doing the bondage scenes. And that was great. And that was many, many years ago. I I think that was before 50 shades of gray but i mean even with that that was like copied from another artist right. so um yeah i mean i think 
I think there is some trying. There can always be more trying. Um, there can always be better. Um, you know, Hustlers is another really good example of something that's, you know, that, um, which I, I saw the movie. I thought it was a great movie. They did hire uh, Jack the Stripper as a stripper consultant. Yeah. And that was great. That was awesome. She's like a wonderful, she's so funny, hilarious. It's great. If you follow her, if you haven't been shadow banned from her, check her out. But like, you know, but at the same time, the week that they shot in the strip club, they had all the strippers take out their stuff and close down for a week and they didn't pay them and they didn't get, you know, reimbursement or anything. So, so that's like, okay, we're half there, but then, you know, then this thing happens. Yeah. Like you're harming the community. You're trying to not only represent, but Mm -hmm. in in one way, trying to respect and you're shitting on them. And when you're filming a TV show like house, first of all, house is incredibly inaccurate. No doctors give that much of a fuck. Everything is lupus, Ken. (laughs) Everything is lupus. But they also don't shut down a hospital for a week. They don't shut down a hospital for a week. Right. They do shut down a strip club for a week though. And that just goes Mm -hmm. to show you that if it's a woman dominated field, they're going to Mm -hmm. do less investment in what's happening with the people's finances. And it's, and it's fucked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know like when, when we teach our BDS on one-on-one classes, I usually start with, this is what you've been fed by the media. This is what you've been fed by society. Here are all of the misconceptions. Here are all the myths you need to bust to then like kind of start from the ground floor and create BDSM for you, you know, whatever that means in your life, however that's represented and, 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 and whatnot. So I'm assuming that you get people in your pro dom, you know, pro dom clients that come in that are very influenced or affected by the the cookie cutter inaccurate stuff they've been fed by the media of BD, you know about BDSM. So, what kind of things have you seen from clients where that maybe they they make assumptions or even clients maybe students of your classes that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you know, I think that actually for the most part all of my clients have a fairly accurate um understanding of what BDSM is because it's something, you know, BDSM is so different from other types of sex work where it's so secretive and it's something that they've been holding in and looking at and thinking about for like years before they actually see me. So they're actually fairly well researched. Um, you know, I think sometimes, um, you know, but then sometimes people don't know what words mean, you know, and so <laughs> I recently had a client who, you know, we agreed to do foot fetish and I said, yeah, I love foot fetish, like kissing, worshiping my feet, all that sounds great, awesome. You know, and I also have on my website a list of things that I don't do. And one of the things I don't do is anything that ends in job. So he came in (laughs) and he, you know, was worshiping my feet. I'm like, okay, this is great. You know, and then he just kept putting my foot like over his, you know, cock. And I finally, I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that. Like, I need you to stop. And he's like, oh, but like I wanted foot fetish. And I said, but that's not what this means. And it's definitely not something I agreed to do. And it's something I very specifically said I don't do on my website. And we had a discussion because he's like, well, I've done this with other people. And I believed him. And, you know, we had, we actually had a really nice understanding conversation. I said, I understand what you want. That's totally fine. It's just not something I do. And if you had specifically asked me, me, can I have a foot job? I would have very clearly told you no. And here it says on my website that I don't do this. So we just agreed. He just gave me basically my cancellation fee and he left and, you know, it wasn't what either one of us wanted, but I felt like it was the best way to split the difference. Right. Um, 
you know, I think that a lot of, but also I also teach a BDSM 101 class and I do something similar where I talk about what BDSM is not and, you know, what it is not is like a lot of controlling abusive behavior. Um, it's not just about pain. Um, it's not just about, uh, you know, the clothes, you know, uh, leather and latex, although it certainly is and it's very fun when it is, um, the dress up aspect and stuff like that. But um, I, I think that's mostly what it is, is that people have like a conception that it has to do a lot with pain. Um, yeah. And that's just not just such a small fraction of what BDSM is. So, yeah, yeah. Speaking of latex, I was going through your Instagram and one of the things that I noticed, because I love latex, mm-hmm. I don't think you repeated one picture with the same outfit. You must oh. have a hell of a lot of latex. <laughs> oh, that's good. I guess you didn't go back that far. You know, uh, yeah, you know, I do have a quite, uh, quite a nice wardrobe. I have, um, you know, I have like two walk-in closets in my house and I have, uh, you know, two closets at both of my dungeons. So I have, I have quite a bit of stuff. Um, I have a lot of really beautiful pieces from Jane Doe and um siren and stuff like that so um yeah a lot of a lot of really lovely latex and leather items so nice so okay i'm i'm still thinking about you know just all of it and it's something that that ken and myself and you and you know people whether they're in the sex ed industry or the pro dom industry we're all fighting to work against these misconceptions about BDSM, and not even just the misconceptions, but those misconceptions that lead to the negativity that we're, we're all on drugs, we're mm-hmm. all have mental problems, mm-hmm. we're not good people, you know, all of those mm-hmm. stereotypes that aren't mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what you think drives those negative opinions? Do you think it's, you know, one of my theories is, is it shame? Just like you hear, you know, the most homophobic, anti-gay person turns out to be a closeted gay person. You know what I mean? Like, do you think <laughs> oh, yeah. that's well, what obviously. it is? Like, um, You know, uh, definitely in terms of um, like homophobia and that kind of hatred, I, I definitely do. It's a lot of self-hatred, unfortunately. Um, and in terms of sex work, um, I think it the reason why it's so shamed is really because sex work is is really the only industry where women are making more than men and we still unfortunately live in a very patriarchal society um and but who are our clients mostly men right um you know and so it's this it's this really tricky thing where all of our clients are the ones who are the most uh have the most power and then can be the most against us. Right. Um, and, and I think that's where it's coming from then. Because, I mean, yeah, of course, there's also, like, you know, politicians and cases that come out where it's like, oh, they're very, you know, anti-sex work. And then you, well, they're all, they all are seeing escorts. Right, you know? right. Um, so, of, of course they are. And so it's, uh, you know, that's what's happening there. And I think that, um, you know, there are, there are still a lot of women who really believe that they need to, um you know, they're, they're accidentally on purpose, like working with other men to keep other women down. And, and I think that's a sad corner of our world and not one that I like to, I don't participate in and I don't wish to be in. And, um, I find that a lot of, uh, women in my community, sex worker and not are very supportive and very strong and very uplifting. Um, and that's the community that I want to be a part of and, and be a leader in and participate in. But, 
Uh, yeah, that's that's why I think that that's happening, unfortunately, with sex work and the, and the shaming. And also, it's very secretive. It's very – no one knows what I do, right. you know? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, a, a stripper – a lot of people have gone to a strip club. Like, a strip club is very kind of in the open. Like, you know, escorts, like, that's like – it's a little bit more something that's in the open. It has a little bit more media representation about what that looks like and, and what that is and – um it's it's a little bit different than than BDSM and, and dominatrix work. It's which is very I find still very secretive and a very s- small part of the the large sex worker pie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I, I there's something interesting how you brought up that you know the the patriarchal um, implications of the of why you know sex work is so pushed down and the power differential you know the gender power differential. I find it interesting. And I want to know if you find it interesting and why that, um, you know, the majority of your clients are men, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And do the majority of your clients, you know, they're, they're submissive. How many of them uh, engage in things like, you know, cross-dressing or things that kind of play with the gender and put them on, um, you know, make them submissive in a gendered sort of way? And do you think there's anything deeper about that? Um, you know, I, I do see some clients who are into cross-dressing and, and things like that. And I see where you're going, but I think more for me is what I, when I experience men, um, for the most part, they're, they're nothing but the most pleasant creatures. And, you know, when I hear about my friends days and, and what goes on for them, it's like they have some assholic boss in Hawaiian shirt telling them what to do. And they're like an idiot. And, you know, what I'm dealing with is like men who just tell me like, Oh, you're amazing. And you're beautiful. And here's a lot of money. And, and you're great. And you rock my world. But I don't know what they're like in the rest of their lives. Like, I don't know Mm. if my client is actually also the asshole in the Hawaiian t-shirt yelling at like my friend who then bitches to me about it at my book club. And I'm like, I had an amazing day where I made thousands of dollars and got Louboutins. (laughs) And she's like, dude, my boss like gave gave me a a memo. And like, we took this meeting and it could have been an email. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know like what happens outside. Like I, I get to know some of my clients outside the dungeon. And, you know, as far as I know, they, they do seem to be generally like nice human beings. But I do see some people who, um, you know, that are um, that participate in politics that is completely antithetical to who I am as a person and, you know, who they see me as in terms of a profession. And I'm just kind of like, what's going on here? You guys are not in the 1%. You're not being helped by this. You know, you're only being you're hurting yourself and you're definitely hurting me. Um, so so, you know, what, what are they thinking through that? But um yeah, I don't see as many clients doing gender bending and, and stuff like that. But again, it's 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 just part of the fantasy. It's like they can this allows them to be something or to be someone that they can't necessarily be twenty four seven in the real world or, or might not even want to be. This might be an escape for them or, or sometimes therapeutic. Yeah. Now speaking of therapeutic, there was an article um, and I forget what publication, but it was titled The, the New okay. Mental Health Trend, Ditching the Therapist for a Dominatrix. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Are people using this more and more as a therapeutic sort of thing? And if so, how do they do that? 
Um, yeah, I mean, this can be very therapeutic. There's generally a release at the end. Um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're going through something for a while with someone and, you know, it's a lot of arousal. It could be very physical. It could be very, um, you know, mental, uh, walking through different things or fantasies. And it, it can just be this very cathartic release for people. Um, and But also to say it's okay if it's not. It's okay if, like, you want to go in and, like, you know, like, you know, get your rocks off and lick pretty toes and like, that's all it is for you. That's also fine too. But I have some people who want to go there with me and have a much deeper experience. And for the people who can have that deeper experience with me, I can take the, you know, take them there and, and go, go there with them. So yeah, it's interesting that the most prominent uh, background for college for a dominatrix is psychology and their education level actually tends to be a little bit higher than most other professions that don't require a degree. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I have a degree in psychology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Stereotype. And, I know, and a degree in literature. So yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That is really funny. So I have heard of people you know, enlisting the the services of a dominatrix to help them do things like, for instance, I'm always late on filing my taxes or like things that they have to do or things just normally in life to like kick them in the ass or like threaten them with. Do you have clients like that? Like, is that actually a relatively common thing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's relatively common for the people who are putting it out there, which I am. And it's like, I love doing things like that. I love telling you what to do in and outside of the dungeon. Um, and I find that I'm more effective. And, and I love doing that because I'm not, you know, I love I love being the sex object. I love getting someone's rocks off. But like, I really honestly enjoy improving people and, you know, getting them to a happier place, like outside of things. And I've worked with a lot of clients doing things like, um, you know, okay, like let's work with like diet and, and exercise and, you know, let's get your wardrobe together and let's go shopping and let's like throw out this stuff and let's stop talking to this person or, or let's get you organized in this way. And, you know, it's even in, even in my personal life, like it's, a, it's like no one likes doing the dishes or doing chores or something, but it's a lot more fun if like someone's standing there in heels and a crop and they're like, let's make this a game and you better do the dishes. It's like, oh, <laughs> suddenly doing the dishes is so hot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Scrub with that Grillo pan. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I like that. I'll, so, okay. Uh, there are probably a lot of American fuckers listening, especially the female identified ones that are like, wait a minute thousands of dollars men treating me nice uh improving oh, people's lives before you finish that sentence i want to i want to read one of justine's tweets i do not train doms look up sesta fosta i do not train doms look up sesta fosta i do not train doms look up sesta fosta okay and it repeats so, so finish your question yeah so these people thinking <laughs> yes. how do i go to dom school can justine train me why do you not train doms? Do not train doms? Do not train doms? And what does it have to do with Sesta Fosta? Yeah, I got a few emails this past week where people wanted me to train them, and I just said, you know, I just don't do this. Um, you know, well, first of all, I just wanted to make it clear is that um, I've never trained anyone else, really. Um, I mean, I did train one person. It was my partner at the time, um, and she's very different dom than I am, um, and I trained her because she was my partner at the time. Um, but other than that, I have, I have not trained anybody else. I've never really wanted to. Um, and now it's Sesta Foster, which essentially in America makes any advertising for any sex work, whether that sex work is legal or not online, um, it makes it illegal. So BDSM is in this umbrella of sex work. It's generally in the gray area. People 
generally don't get arrested or whatever hauled in for foot fetish or spanking um but it is it is sex work so we are affected by it um so this has made it um sort of impossible i don't want to say like impossible but pretty impossible and fairly dangerous to break into this industry now where the people who are already in here are struggling um but it's also it's you know how do you teach someone to be a dominatrix like i wasn't I wasn't, I didn't mentor, I didn't study any, under any specific dom. Um, I went to many classes, I read many books, I learned, the people that I learned the most from were honestly my male play partners at the time who were also switches. And those are the people that I learned from. And so much of it, of learning to be a a dominant um, player is so much about like learning about yourself and your own style and stuff like that. Now, in terms of other things like, you know, just like safety and, you know, um, marketing and, and stuff like that, that's all sort of safety I will always teach people I will always reference uh, you know I always give references I will always provide them um, things like that I will always give people the tools of what few sites we have left and what other things we can use to the best we can make sure someone is safe um, that's fine you know marketing that's like all standard stuff that you can look up in any way but a lot of marketing is we're not allowed to do a lot of marketing things that many other industries are and we're you know being shadow banned or like social medias are being deleted like various apps are getting deleted and people don't know this and they walk into this world because like they just read some article on you know i think bustle is like one of the worst offenders of like always Ugh. posting like these findom articles of like oh yeah like wow it's really easy you just go on twitter and like yeah. you know tell some guy like to give you money and he does that's real cute sweetheart you try to sustain that every day for like you know, a week, a month, <laughs> 10 years, how long I saw the people who you had on the show, they've been in this industry for over 10 years. That's like a millennia in the sex worker industry. When I started, I was on MySpace. you know, I mean, it's like, that doesn't, when a lot of other people started, there really even wasn't a social media then, you know, and what that looks like now. So yeah, yeah. And I want to mention for the American fuckers listening along, we've talked a lot about Sesta Fossa, mm-hmm. but if you're not a regular listener, I'm going to put in the show notes an episode, We I think it's episode 31 or 32 that we did specifically about Sesta Fosta. So go look up that if you're like, wait, what, what? Um, so speaking of censorship, we know that Sesta Fosta, that's been like the nail in the coffin, you know, for definitely for sex workers, but we even feel it as sexuality educators. And mm-hmm. people are even feeling it who are kinksters who are trying to just exist in whatever their alternate sexuality, you know, sexual identity is online. It's trickling down to so many people. Mm-hmm. But I, I've noticed before Sesta Fosta, through the years, we started to see more and more censorship online, you know, mainly from like the payment processors dictating mm-hmm. to the different websites, like now you can't talk about pee. Now you mm-hmm. can't talk about animal play or, you know, whatever. Yeah. How has that affected you just through the years, even before SESTA FOSTA? And why do you think, you know, we're seeing so much censorship? Is it societal stigma? Like what's going on? Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, um, the, the one thing that I will say that even before SESTA FOSTA happened, things that affected me the most directly are, you know, Backpage getting shut down, which again, had nothing to do with SESTA FOSTA and nothing to do with, um, you know, human trafficking, which is what they said it did, but it didn't. Um, and then honestly, in terms for me, uh, being in a large city in Los Angeles is that, um, you know, there's been a real, you know, having two dungeons, I've been seeing, you know, who's booking the dungeon over 
like eight and four years respectively for each studio, Dungeon West and Dungeon East. Um, it's been a real shift to, um, instead of a lot of pro-dom bookings, I've seen a lot more lifestyle bookings. And I think that's because a lot more people are talking about this. They're talking about it with their partner. It, it is getting out there more in the mainstream. Like I've had many clients who used to see me solo and then they were coming in to see me as a couple with their partner or and or renting the studio space for me. So those are the two things that I saw that directly affected me the most. Um, again, I partly I think because the the way that I run my business is is pretty PG thirteen. I don't shoot. Excuse me. A lot of I don't really I don't do anything with nudity myself or someone else's. So I've always been on sort of a little bit more of the tame side of things and a lot of more real life. Um, interactions with cash <laughs> versus <laughs> other things. Um, and I think that's partly why. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, you were definitely not the first person I've heard that from a lot mm-hmm. of people I know that are pro doms are like, oh my God, I'm getting so many couples and, you know, where mm-hmm. I'm just teaching one-on-one mm-hmm. them to be kinky so then they can go off and do it together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's a common theme that I'm hearing as well. Mm-hmm. So now speaking of lifestyle, you know, when it comes to pro-doming and when it comes to lifestyle BDSM, yes, there are similarities, but there are certainly differences. And I'm sure that there are people listening along that are in that kink curious category that are like, you know, after listening to all this talk, I am really curious. I want to go to a party or I want to get involved in community. So how do people do like, you know, stick, stick their toe in the water and go to their first party or their first get together? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on like what you what you want to try. I recommend, um, you know, most large cities have um, uh, sex toy shops and stuff like that, where they have classes and things like that, um, where you can sort of dip your toe in that way to get some information first. Um, another great resource is something like FetLife, which is kind of like Facebook, but you know, your mom's not on it, but your mom is on it. You know? And yeah. so, you know, um, <laughs> your mom's really, oh God, that's horrible. Like my, my mom, I, you know, she passed away, so I wouldn't oh. find her on FetLife. I'd be really yeah. shocked if I found her on FetLife. But, um. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. My mother's also passed. So yeah, that'd be really that, weird. <laughs> maybe it's like a, a subcategory of FetLife, FetLife Afterlife. I don't yeah. know. But <laughs> After FetLife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what I was saying. <laughs> Oh, but is this breaking off into necrophilia by any chance? No, 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 no. Breaking off into necrophilia. By the way, I I, I wanted wanted to add something real quick for American fuckers. Uh, When Sunny referenced animal play earlier, she was not talking about bestiality. And I thought that when I said it, I meant like pet play, like elaborate differently. Puppy play, kitten play. That humans that dress up as animals pretending to be animals. Animal role play, not like you know. Here's my sheep. Not. Oh, well, you know, I, I, uh, 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 a family friend of mine, um, would talk about someone there from West Virginia and she called someone stump broke. And I said, what does stump broke mean? And she said, oh, well, it's like, you know, when you have a goat on a, on a stump and like, you know, someone's fucking and you know, that's your feller. And I was like, what? Oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's the kind that is not consensual. That is illegal. That's not what we want. But um, that is not, yeah. And if I, you really want that, you can role play with a partner, get him a sheep outfit, teach him to go, bang, and you know, I knock they, your socks off. I think they your have, wool socks off. <laughs> I think they have like inflatables. Okay, let's not go there. Anyway, okay, we're going. So we're talking about parties. Parties. The light. Yes, let's go yes, towards yes. the light. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, play parties and like uh, again, if you're in a larger city, there's a lot of spaces that um might uh throw their own events. Um, 
Um, and that, you know, that's a really great place to go and, and watch, um, and learn and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's where certainly I like learned a lot from just like watching other people play, seeing how they're interacting because, you know, you know, being a voyeur, that's interacting. That's, that's totally fine. You can go and do that that way. Um, I, a few years ago, actually it's coming up on almost four years. I started a all women's play party in Los Angeles called BDS Femme. So it's a play party for, I need to go to that now that I live in Vegas and I'm just a drive away from LA because we used to have one in Chicago, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah, so, you gotta come. Well, oh, I'll yeah. invite you to the next. I'll tell you when the next one is. Yay, so, um, there was one this Saturday, but it is sold out. So, I'll have to tell you Damn. about my birthday one, and that's one. That one is better anyway because I serve unicorn cakes. So, um, but uh, so I I started that one because, and you don't have to identify as queer or gay. You just have to identify as a woman to come to the party. And what I did is that I, I hire a couple of different. Uh, generally professionals, uh, people who've been doing this for a long time, really wonderful players that I know and trust, um, to do different sort of stations. So I have people doing usually like uh, bondage, electro play, impact play, flogging. Um, sometimes I have a boot black. And then, you know, that's kind of the beginning of the party that gets things started. And it sort of gives everyone like a safe, guaranteed play experience of like what it's supposed to be like and what a you know sort of small short negotiation looks like and and safety and here's how you can explore and and have fun but also know that you're being taken care of and, or you could just watch or then it, and then it kind of devolves into like more people mixing and, and different kinds of play like that so okay Support for episode 110 of American Sex Podcast with Mistress Justine Cross comes from Manscaped. They are number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for you or your partner's family jewels. Now, you already know how much Ken and I absolutely love Manscaped products. We gush about them all the time. And I bet you or one of your partners would really dig Manscaped too. No, you know what? No, I don't bet. I know. And I'm so confident of this. I'm going to give you 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All you have to do is use the code SUNNY. They have completely redesigned the electric trimmer. Manscaped's Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology so you won't slice your balls to pieces. I mean, not non consensually or unsafely anyway. You know, I- I'm not going to kink shame. Also, we know that stinky balls can be a real problem. I mean, imagine how much your dom is going to ridicule you if you show up to a session with a stinky undercarriage. And that's why Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Oh, wait, what? Oh, you want to be ridiculed by your dom. All right, then, maybe skip the Crop Preserver on session days only, you topping from the bottom little brat. Manscaped is the perfect gift for your partner. And did you know that every time you patronize one of our sponsors, you support this podcast? Yeah, the happier our sponsors are, the more they support us. So American fuckers, this is your cue, or maybe your command. I demand you, you're going to go get your 20% off and free shipping with the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D dot com with the code SUNNY. Now get to it immediately, you hairy, stinky, testicle little piggy.
go over for me play party etiquette because I'm putting myself when way back when when I was the kink curious person and I really wanted to go to a party but I had all of these assumptions like I'm gonna walk in the door and someone's gonna grab me and start like humping my leg and I'm not gonna know how to you know or that I'm gonna be too forward or maybe I'm gonna you know commit some faux pas or stick mm-hmm. my foot in my mouth and do something I'm not supposed to. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to general like first party etiquette, walk me through like, okay, I see there's a party on FetLife, let's say. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, email, you know, there's no address. And mm-hmm. I email and I RSVP. What happens next? Okay. Um, well, for mine, I can't always speak for other people's, right, but um, right. for mine, um, basically there is a, um, when, when the address is confirmed and that's sent out like the day of and such, um, there's also a list of rules that goes along with it, which is basically, you know, the do's and don'ts, um, and basically, don't be an asshole. <laughs> don't piss me off. Don't take photos. Um, but it's a little bit more than that. So it's like, you know, there's certain things like, you know, don't interrupt people's scenes. Um, please wipe down all equipment. Um, there's also uh, what is not allowed in my dungeon. Um, so, you know, things like no photos. I don't allow any kind of edge play, like no knives, no fire, no candle wax, because it's just so fucking messy. Um, you know, things like that. And then I also, um, all of those things are posted. Um, and I also make sure that everyone knows who to talk to if they need something. And so I have a couple of people who are called, you know, the dungeon monitors um, or people working the different stations. And, you know, I always have a door person. I always have a bar person. All of those people are really clearly marked with, um, you know, fun uh, glow sticks. (laughs) So you can, you can see, so there's like, you know, there's usually like five to seven of those people in my party of less than 50 people. So that's a lot. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's a large space. It's it's probably larger than your dungeon, but it's not like the biggest dungeon, you know, so that's a pretty decent sized space to have those people. Um, and I make sure that everyone knows those are the people that you can um, talk to if you need anything. And, you know, we're monitoring everything and, and going like that. So, um, you know, I think in general, I think if you're going to other events, like all of those things are really important. It's really important to know what the rules are um, before you go um, or at least like um, have them posted you know, while you're there, um, because uh-huh. different dungeons and different parties have different rules. Um, right. and you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. You want to be able, you want to know who's in charge. You want to know who you need to go to if there's an incident, um, or something's wrong. And yeah. And the other thing, just in terms of safety, this isn't something I, I really advertise, but all of my, well, I do advertise this, but I don't actually put it in the play party stuff, but every single person on my staff is CPR first aid certified, including myself. Okay. And there's almost always at least one nurse, or doctor at my party. <laughs> that's just the way it works out, you know, <laughs> like that's not on purpose, but there generally is that in terms of like, you know, safety concerns, you know, in, in that way. Um, you know, so I think that's it, you know, making sure, you know, and even just in terms of the, the space, like how safe does it look? Like, do you see exit signs? Like, do you know where to go to get outside? Like, is this safe in terms of like, um, do you see fire extinguishers out, you know, and it's like, I don't, you know, this is like hard to talk about, but it's like, you know, I, I knew many, I knew several people who passed away. It wasn't kink related, but passed away in the ghost ship fire. Oh, um, and that was a, a place so that sorry. is not, um, that wasn't very safe for various reasons. We don't need to get into them, but it's like, you know, a lot of like spaces exist on the fringe and they exist on the fringe. Why? Because no one really wants a dungeon in Beverly Hills, even though everyone in Beverly Hills is going to a dungeon somewhere else. But you know, those, those are those are things to consider just sort of in any spaces um you know think about those other kind of safety things but 
you know, the fun stuff is like, you know, okay, like, do you want to go with a friend? Do you want to go by yourself? Like, I recommend going with a friend or at least having someone know where you are doing safety checks. But that's what I would recommend for anyone. But, um, you know, the way that I created my events is um, I wanted to do it every way, the way that I would want it if I went out to a party, what I wanted to have, um, mm-hmm. like cheese and, you know, yes. ice pops. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but like hot, dungeon yeah. party and sex party food, but more so dungeon party food is usually really good. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, having that, like having, you know, alcohol drinks that I want, um, and then just sort of also basing it on like experiences that I had that were less than positive where I'd go out and I'd say, this is like really not happy and I don't like this. And, and this is me, someone who is a very independent, um, very strong female dominant person. I've walked into parties where I'm like, wow, I don't feel good here. And if I don't feel good walking in with like so much confidence and bravado and like owning my shit and like running my shit and like walking in and people being like rude or weird to me, I'm like, I can only imagine how other people feel unless they like that feeling of humiliation (laughs) and and shittiness. I walked into a humiliation party. Now it makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah. So I I based it on like, you know, what, what I've loved and what I've not loved. So, and and also always just kind of fine tuning it and, and doing things like that. But, um, you know, safety, I think, is like the biggest concern um, and making sure of those things. But then, I mean, really, like, have fun, like have, you know, talking to someone in negotiation or or watching someone who's like an experienced player. Um, You know, unfortunately, a lot of it is just really trial and error as you're figuring out your own boundaries and what it is you want and um, things like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's human nature, especially when you're going to some kind of social event where people are dressed really nice and you're trying to impress, you want to be too cool for school Mm -hmm. and you want to look like I belong here. Like, I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I always tell people at those kind of parties, like, tell people it's your first party. Tell Mm -hmm. people like, I I really don't know what I'm doing. Can I get you know, who can Mm -hmm. I talk to who who can give me some guidance or, you know, and and Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, probably 9.999 times out of 10, you're going to find really helpful people. You know, yeah. that are like, oh, it's your first party. Okay, here's yeah. what you need to know. And, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's why I, that I, I structured my parties the way that I do that. I'm I'm literally the hostess. I'm going around and talking to everyone. And I hire people specifically who aren't just really great players, but are people who want to talk to them, you know, talk to the other people at the event. And I said, I don't care if you're like, like the best flogger in the world, you know, it doesn't matter to me. You need to go around and talk to every single person here because the experience I want people to take away from is not like, oh my God, that was the best play party ever I mean I do but I want them to say you know what that was like a really good and safe experience maybe it wasn't for me or maybe I'll come back but I'm really glad to know that this space exists and that I can come back here if I want or I can tell other people you know what check that out that was like okay and safe and and that's the feedback that I've consistently gotten from these events Mm, that's amazing Oh, and now I want to go to one of your parties. I'm you have to come. Excited. The next one's going to be in February for my birthday. Okay, cool, cool, <laughs> cool. Yay! Yeah, I will. I will make plans to drive right, out to yeah. LA. Um, so yeah, and and I I would say the one thing is like. You know, I, there's all sor- sorts of different theme parties, like you said. You know, there's a very specific, like, this is just a foot fetish party, or this mm-hmm. is just for, you know, people that identify in whatever way. Mm-hmm. And I found, like, when I go to sort of, like, general parties where, you know, it's a lot of kind of random people's first party, there's always that one guy you don't want to be. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't be the guy like whacking off in the corner just looking at everything. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> don't that guy. Be that. And that guy seems to be at every one of those general parties. It's like, yeah. oh, it's the whack off guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what other don'ts? What other what other guy or gal or you know them do you not want to be at a party? Yeah, you know, we're never going to be able to reach that guy because that guy doesn't know he is that guy. And even if he knew, he wouldn't care because he would just keep doing it. Um, (laughs) Or if we like shamed him for it, he might start wanking even harder. Well, that's why once we identify that guy, we start charging that guy more. And this uh, is why a lot of parties, they don't allow single men. Or if they do, they offer a very limited amount of single male tickets and they're very expensive. uh Um, So that's one way to deal with that guy problem. Um, But... (laughs) Um, you know, the other thing is like, you know, you, you want to like pay attention to the rules. You don't want to be on your phone. It's like not that interesting being on your phone anyway. And I think that's the other reason why these parties end up having like a really interesting social aspect that, that I don't think people were anticipating because you're literally not allowed to have your phone. You yeah. know, you can't be texting people. You can't be Instagramming. You can't be posting stuff. Like you have to put your phone down and actually interact with the other human beings in the room. And you know what? Like you probably have stuff in common with them. And so that's really nice. Um, Let's see, who are the not people? Yeah, I don't know. I, I have to say that like the only people at my parties that were like, because I don't, I, I, again, I throw parties for women only or queers only. Right. Sometimes like straight guys will come to the queer play party and they usually self-select out like almost right away because they come in and they're like, oh, wait, this isn't what I thought, even though this is exactly what, how it was described. And then they leave. Um, <laughs> but we had a guy, we had a guy at our last party and finally my friend asked, you know, and a couple of people that I was chatting with, they're like, well, what's with that guy? Is he okay? And I say, you know, I don't like to police people's gender sexuality. I can only assume that he's read the first word in the description of this play party, which is queer. And he knew what that meant. Um, and he didn't. He was a white, cis, straight male from Europe. And I don't know. And he and he, he, he was like, you know, straight. Um, and so he wasn't supposed to be there. And finally, my co-host asked him, um, are you straight? And, she, and he said, oh, yeah, I am. And there, she said, okay, well, you know, you have to leave because this is a queer play party. And, you know, and he looked at her and said, oh, but like, but Mistress Justine, like, she's straight, no? And at that moment, I was, like, making out with my girlfriend, like, oh, shoving her you know? And he was like, oh, I, okay. You know, he was just like, what What does that mean? I'm like, I know, I look like I shop at Pottery Barn, but I don't. Um, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, don't be that guy. Don't don't go to the party when like the party is not for you. There yeah. are so many parties out there for you. Go to the party that is for you. And it's okay if you go to a party and you're like, oh, maybe I kind of thought this was for me. Or I wasn't sure. But like, and then leave. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Those are really the worst offenders. I think that like the only other time that I had problems at an event was like pro-doms that should have known better <laughs> and didn't listen to my rules because sometimes pro-doms have the domitude and think that like, rules don't apply to them but that's not true (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah oh nice so ken do you have anything uh yeah i would say that making assumptions especially if somebody is femme looking don't assume what their sexuality is Mm -hmm. going in there either somebody who's overly masculine or overly feminine just never assume something Mm -hmm. like that because you're probably going to be wrong if you assume Yeah. yeah and reading comprehension is good you know, comprehension is very good. Attention to detail pleases every mistress I know. And so, yeah. it, it at your parties or just kind of in general, I know a lot of people stress out, especially when it's their first party, mm-hmm. about what to wear. Like they're like, I don't have latex. I don't have S and M. Obviously, means stand and model, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
Nope. So what, what does somebody wear if they're like, I don't have a clue? That's a really good point. Because again, that's something that like I include. I include a dress code. I tell you what you're going to... Is available to eat. Um, so for dress code, I say, hey, whatever makes you feel sexy, submissive, dominant, whatever. If you have latex, leather, you know, cocktail attire, black, like whatever you feel playful in, like you can wear that. Um, you can even be naked at my parties. There's no photos. No one's taking, you know, video. So you can do whatever you want. And it's like, you know, people really dress up in such a variety of things, um, you know, because some people are coming in like full latex or, or leather gear and stuff. You know, I just don't want like a jeans and sneaker kind of thing. Because it's like, why are right. you going out like that? That's like not really f- – you You took like no thought and effort into your appearance. So like no one else is really going to take much time and effort into speaking or engaging with you because you look kind of just sloppy. You know, like it's, yeah. it's a party. It's a part where we're here to have fun. Like are you going to get naked? Like no, you know. So, um, you know, I, I include dress code and I include – you know, I tell people like what kind of food is going to be there and what kind of alcohol is going to be there as well. And, you know, so people can make their own choices around that because I want to know if I'm – you know, what kind of food is at a party when I'm going to it. So – I do too. So yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, geez. And, mm-hmm. All right. So um, Fat Life is a place that people can find parties anywhere else you suggest where people go. Um, yeah, I mean, FetLife is a good one. Um, but I think also, you know, looking for different things on Instagram, um, it's a little bit hard because of various like shadow banning and, and right. things. And now deleted, we can't so. use eggplant emojis apparently, oh, on Instagram. <laughs> hey, but or you know peaches. what? Well, you know what? The oyster emoji, it's gonna be all mine. Like, let's talk about that. So, <laughs> you know, you try to ban this oyster emoji. So, um, I know it's ridiculous. Um, but, um, you know, that that's also it, it's just hard to sort sort of uh, you know, gay, there isn't really like a huge quality control. So, you know, I sort of recommend these things with a grain of salt um, and just kind of, you know, do your research and, you know, trust your instincts and, and be safe and, and kind of explore that way. But um, I'm trying to think if there's any other like specifics. Oh, and I'm sorry. Oh, also, huh, meetup. <laughs> um, I actually run a meetup in Los Angeles. It's just called like BDSM Los Angeles. So there are different groups. Um, excuse me there's different groups like sexy or kinky groups and stuff like that so sometimes they put on their own events or you know mine works as more of like a general calendar for events that are happening in los angeles so it's more of a touch you know touch point for for various things that are happening in the city so that's another yeah. space is yeah. your meetup more of a munch or is it an or is it like a in, into one of the parties um no it's more again it's just more of a calendar of events for los angeles so um of course i post all of my own events but i will also cross post events that are happening at like pleasure chest or um different um kinky nights or films that are happening like outfest just at, well it happened a few months ago so i posted the ones that were more you know kinky or you know bdsm in nature so i did things like that but there isn't um because all the events that i specifically post on there you have to well all of my events you have to purchase through eventbrite you know it's a separate mm-hmm. link so you know whoever is rsvping to those like that's not an indicator of who's going to go or who's going to be there and some of them you know i don't go to so um it just depends so because you know no one i have like over three thousand people in the group and i get people every time to different events but like you know, people look at it and they're like, oh, there's five people coming. I'm not going to go. And I'm like, no, actually, it's sold out three weeks ago. You oh. know, so <laughs> I just put it on here. You know, I don't even think, yeah, so it just depends. But yeah. I, I don't have a munch specifically, no. 
Well, I just have to reiterate for people listening who are like, meetup.com, isn't that very 1996? Uh, no, like no matter where you are in the country, if you're looking for sex-related things or kink-related things. Or gaming-related. Or gaming, <laughs> yeah. Um, meetup is such a great resource, even though it seems like, you know, that's like back with AOL. It's not. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Um, all right. So, so, so I have a ahead. really quick question. You have two dungeons. Obviously, your West Dungeon is far superior to the East Dungeon. Which is your favorite? <laughs> oh, um, I don't know. You know, I love them both. They're just they're just really different. You know, the the you know Dungeon West was like you know my firstborn. So in some ways, <laughs> you know, you love your firstborn the most. It's a, you you know it's you make all the mistakes with it, or you know, right. Um, and then Dungeon East was like you know it was just so exciting when I got that space because it was just so different from anything else that was happening in like you know the dungeon decor world um and like the yes mistress sign is pretty infamous uh, the marquee sign there so it was just kind of is like this the one that's ex- all white yes, yeah. yes oh, okay all white. Yeah. so that was like like very exciting like you know I just felt like I was like the governess who had stolen a baby and you know got away with it <laughs> up, you know and so that was like very fun and it was just so um you know, and I, and people would walk into people walk into both spaces, and they're like, "Oh, oh, this is just like nice in here," you know, because it's very, you know, very spacious, very well laid out. It's set up. I, I wanted it more like an art gallery and things because I have um, a lot of different things happening in there. It's a very multi-purpose thing. I, I use it a lot for sets and production. So. Excuse me, I wanted everything to move around, but you know, when people would walk into these spaces, like they would say, Oh, it, it's just nice. And people would say about Dungeonese, like, Oh, this is like the dungeon for millennials. This is like the Apple <laughs> store of like dungeons, or you know, Oh, I really, really want to redo my loft like this because it's really, it's just very different and, and soothing. And it's not what people envision, like the dungeon to be, which is like, I don't know, like a lot of fake brick and like yeah, gargoyles dark. and yeah. dungeon purple. I hate that color. I hate dungeon purple. You know what I'm talking about? That like oh, yeah, that I do. medium yeah. shitty purple, and it's yeah. like banned, banned from my. If I find a toy that is dungeon purple, I immediately throw it. Out. I'm like, who the fuck brought this in here? Fired <laughs> off with their heads with this dungeon purple. So yeah, I it's I I, I love both my babies equally now. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So if people want to see what the, you know, because there's pictures of dungeons on like your websites and stuff, or just connect with you and figure out where these great parties are, give us all your details so people know where to go. Yeah, definitely. My first and foremost, my professional site is losangelesdominatrix.com. And my Twitter is Justine Plays. My Instagram is the Justine Cross. And if you are interested, I don't have a specific mailing list, but if you want to find out about all my events, if you just search for me on Eventbrite and follow me as an organizer there, I think I'm like eventbrite.justinecross.com or inverse or something like that. But if you follow me as an organizer there, that acts as my mailing list because that will just send you a little email every time I make an event and my events and classes do sell out. So that's like a really nice, subtle way to, you know, to be a part because I know some people can't follow, you know, the the sexy social media. (laughs) So that's like a really nice, subtle way. Like I won't inundate you with emails. It's, you know, um, that's a really good way to find me. So, and then, you know, Dungeon West, um, you can just, you know, you know, same thing, dungeonwest.com. You can find that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Same thing with Dungeon East. So, and that's in downtown LA. Yeah. Awesome. And and for American fuckers listening along who are like, that was a lot of stuff and I can't write that fast. Don't <laughs> worry. Um, I will have all the links that Justine mentioned in our show notes for this episode at americansexpodcast.com. 
Uh, this has been awesome. Thank you. Thank Yay. you so much. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're going to continue talking, and maybe the American fuckers can hop on over to Patreon and listen to a continuation of our conversation. But for now, for all of you listening on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.